0: My name's Tina Waldrum. I'm the host of this podcast. This show is all about giving you, the listener, actionable insights to share your faith. I interview church leaders and congregation members alike to gain some understanding that both you and I can implement to share Jesus. Every week I work hard to locate and interview someone who can share their experience. Can you do me a favour? Would you mind sharing today's episode with one or two people that you know? One or two people that would be encouraged, that would be helped by today's content? Just copy the link and send it on via text or email. I'd love to see more people encouraged to share their faith. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum, and today I'm speaking with James McPherson on the topic of evangelism, the media and woke culture. Fascinating topic. James is a journalist. He has worked with News Limited. He's been published in the Courier-Mail, the Daily Telegraph, the Australian, the Spectator Australia currently writing regular columns with The Spectator Australia. So very excited to have you along. Welcome to you, James.
1: Thanks, Tina. Thanks for having me.
0: What a fantastic background you have. I mean, media is an interesting space right now to be involved in. Let's talk about that. What does the media uh, culture that you're immersed in uh, look like and feel like these
1: days? Well, uh, the... The people that I work with are all great people, actually. They're a delight to work with. Not many of them are people of faith, but all of them um, share an intense curiosity in life generally and are fascinated by people. And uh, so that always keeps things interesting. So um, look, I I love working in media. I I love journalists and uh, find them to be great company and uh, always amusing and interesting people.
0: Yeah I always find journos very deep thinkers and uh, I love some of your writings and reading those and I'll drop into our show notes places that people can stay connected with you James tell me about woke culture what exactly is that because as believers we need to be well informed on the the culture that we are trying to engage with how would
1: you describe it? yeah, there's a lot of different definitions about uh, what woke means. Um I think it began as a compliment. Um, it was people describing their own ability to see life as it really is. Most people don't understand that beneath the surface of human interactions, there is oppression and oppressors. There's uh, all this systemic, whether it's racism or sexism, or, but every interaction has this underlying context. And, and if you can see it, then you're woke, you're awake to things as they really are. It has more recently become a term of derision, To criticize those people who are intent on finding, you know, microaggressions and hidden agendas um, in every conversation and in every uh, interaction. So uh, broadly speaking, um, I think if you're woke, it means that you have a very highly attuned, perhaps too highly attuned antenna for social injustice And uh, structural inequalities that uh, most people are unaware of, but you understand them and you know how society needs to be dismantled and rebuilt um, so that these uh, structural inequities are no longer present. It's probably one of the worst definitions you'll ever hear, but broadly speaking, that's kind of the idea behind it.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense to me. So, uh, definitely when we start to drill down on that awareness of the social injustice that would sit within a culture at a given time. And I guess from my Christian perspective, I shouldn't say from the Christian perspective because there are many, but from my Christian perspective, there does seem to be a lot more people in my world now that are acutely aware of any injustice, whether it's a majority or a minority group. But from your perspective in the media is that when we talk about woke culture, are we talking about people being more aware of the minority groups when it comes to injustice?
1: Well, yeah. Um, I mean, that's the way the narrative is playing out at the moment, that if you want to understand life, you've got to understand that every interaction is an interaction between someone who is oppressed and someone who is oppressing them. And uh, so you can work out who has moral authority based on whether they belong to an oppressed group or an oppressor group. And of course, this typically has to do with your gender, your skin color, uh, perhaps your ethnicity. And, And I guess it's framed in terms of inclusion and diversity and kindness and people are hyper aware of this because no one wants to be thought of as a brute. No one wants to be thought of as unkind. And the other day was um, International Pronoun Day, so we're being told if if you don't use these pronouns for these people, then you are a mean, nasty person. Well, no one wants to be thought of as mean and nasty. I I don't want to be thought of that way. I'll I'll call you whatever. You, I'll I'll call you Cinderella if it makes you happy. What I can't do is call you something that you're plainly not. But what people are seeking to do is to redefine manners. And if you can redefine manners, you are wielding incredible power because you're now able to tell people, if you don't speak in this way, then you are not a nice person. And would your employer be happy to continue your employment if they knew you were not a nice person? Uh, You should be deplatformed. And so people, in order to be thought of as nice, will tell blatant lies, and and then lies get embedded in the culture because everyone's too scared of being thought of as unkind. And and so that's the way this works. It it plays on the good intention of people um, but manipulates them into a position where they um, are now becoming part of a grand lie in order to be thought of as a good person.
0: Yes, it's a minefield. (laughs) As I see it right now, it is an absolute minefield because – as Christians, let's talk about this. We want to be inclusive, of course. God is inclusive, loves everyone. But there still are some guidelines, aren't there? Some things that we would feel are clear in some areas. So this makes it very difficult. Why is this so difficult now as a Christian. I mean, you're in the media, so how are you yourself holding the tension and walking the tension?
1: Look, I, I think the, the key is to not get bamboozled by these terms. I mean, um, we need to be inclusive. Well, well, that's, that's half true, but you can't, of course, be inclusive of everything. If you say that gender is uh, fluid and I say gender is binary, well, we can't include both those views. One will be included to the exclusion of the other. So it's, it's not a question of including everything. It's a question of which view do we include. And so I think people just need to not get confused or intimidated by some of these terms where they feel like they just have to acquiesce uh, because these things typically run in one direction, don't they? I, I mean, we had a classic example just recently where a, the CEO of a major sporting company lost his job because uh, his views apparently made it impossible for him to be inclusive. Well, it begs the obvious question, what about inclusivity for his views? So I make my point again, this idea, well, we've got to be inclusive. Well, you, you can't include everything. So it, it's really a question of whose views or what views do we include. And right now, there seems to be a battle between uh, traditional views that have gotten our culture to where it is and those who would seek to eliminate all of the traditional views, undermine all of the foundations of our culture um, and replace them with something else which they um, haven't yet really described.
0: Yeah, it's a very challenging time. So how do you yourself go about being in the media, continuing to keep people on a journey with you as a person that are interested in exploring things of faith What is the way
1: forward for you? The thing that's helped me most is to realize that as Christians, we ought to have clarity around ideas and charity for people. Or to put it another way, two two terms that your listeners will be very familiar with. We talk about tolerance and intolerance. And our culture has deified tolerance. Tolerance is always good and always desirable, and we've demonized intolerance if you're intolerant, you're evil and nasty. The truth is a culture to function well needs both tolerance and intolerance. You've just got to understand what they're for. So tolerance is for people, never for bad ideas. Intolerance is for bad ideas, never for people. Um, if doctors were not intolerant of bad hygiene, people would die in hospitals. If police were not intolerant of speeding drivers, the roads would be mayhem. So, so we want intolerance, In our culture, we just want it for the right things. So again, intolerance is for bad ideas. We should be violent with the error, but we should be meek with the erring. Intolerance is not for people, or or to flip it, tolerance is for people, but never for bad ideas. Jesus on the cross was completely intolerant of sin. That's why he died, whilst being completely tolerant of sinners. He died in our place. So we want clarity when it comes to ideas, but charity when it comes to to people. If you if you can uh, maintain that stance where we're very clear about ideas and yet we're very charitable towards all people, especially those who hold different ideas, then I think it allows us the ability to engage in these conversations and still win people over.
0: Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about the power of questions then. We're journeying with people in our in our own worlds. So you've got the media world around you. People that you're friends with, lovely people. What's the place then of questions when keeping people on the journey? And uh, how do you see that?
1: Yeah, look, I I decided a while ago to stop telling people about Jesus, which I know sounds wrong, but uh, better to be asked about Jesus than to tell people about Jesus. So you you know, David writes in the Psalms. He says, "I'm a surprise and a wonder to many." And I think one of the problems with us as Christians is we've stopped being surprising and we no longer make people wonder. But if we live our lives in such a way that people are curious about us, then much better to have them ask us about our faith than for us to try and you know sit them down and and tell them. And the best way to generate questions about faith is to first be interested, not in sharing your own view, but in understanding somebody else's. And so I find that, uh, well, well, I'm curious about people anyway and fascinated by what people think and why they think those things. And and so I found when you start to ask people about what they believe and why they believe that, you pretty quickly find that there's contradictions. And so then you can ask them, well, well, how do you believe that when you also believe this? And And then that will start a conversation where eventually they'll turn to you and say, well, So what do you think? And now I'm able to share my worldview um, because they've asked for it, not because I'm trying to impose it. And and that creates a very different receptivity uh, in your audience.
0: Yes, and I've got to say, James, you are extremely good at that. Now, it's true to say that you're very sure on what you want to say about your faith and how you see Christianity, and I can see that by reading the James McPherson (laughs) Report. I am surprised that you are so good at making room to have those discussions and understand other people. At times, is it true that Christians can be so dogmatic about what they believe with the exclusion to
1: even listening to other people's ideas? Christians are pretty firm on what we believe. There's there's certain things that are just non-negotiables, right? But I'm, I'm not sure that... Uh, being firm in what you believe correlates with being unwilling to listen to opposing views, that the more certain in, I am in what I believe, the more willing I am to listen to other views because I'm not threatened by other views. It's, it's only when you're scared that you might be wrong that you don't want to listen to other views because you don't want to be challenged. I, I don't see any contradiction between uh, Christians having strong views and being the most open people to listen to others and to uh, engage in, in discussion.
0: Right. Maybe my experience, James, has been that I have come across people with some very strong views but with very little capacity to actually engage with others and to listen to other people's views. So I don't want to be controversial myself but (laughs) – Maybe we need to do a little bit more thinking through of what we actually do believe and firm up why we believe, why we believe.
1: You know, one of the most amazing things about Jesus is, so Jesus is God incarnate, right? So he knows everything. And yet, I think in the Gospels, Jesus asks 152 questions, which which always, I mean, why is Jesus asking questions? He already knows the answer, right? But Jesus loved people and he was just incredibly interested in people, He meets the woman at the well and he starts asking her questions. He already knows the answer uh, to all of these questions. And so I I think that if we love people and we're genuinely interested in people, then uh, we want to hear their point of view. We're not threatened by it. And it opens up a discussion where now we can start to work together towards truth rather than simply dogmatically preaching it at people and, and, uh, and isolating them if they don't agree.
0: Yes, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? People can feel isolated. Um, Let's talk about that a little more, this concept of truth. Is there, from your perspective, um, with the people that you're surrounded with, is there a greater hunger for truth than, say, 10 years ago?
1: Yeah, I'm having lots of conversations with people at the moment who say, I'm not a Christian yet, but I'm not an atheist anymore. And when I ask them why the shift, they say, look, my whole life I've been able to understand the world in terms of politics and different ideologies, but for the first time in my life, I can't work out what the hell is going on. That The whole world has gone weird, And, and everybody knows that, and no one can figure it out. And so I'm finding very intelligent, sensible people who were not open to spiritual things are for the first time in their lives, that's by their own admission, saying maybe there's more to the world than I've considered before, and and I'm open. I've talked to journalists and political advisors who have just started going to church in the last couple of years because they're trying to understand what on earth is happening right now. And uh, so I actually think it's a great time to be uh, sharing faith with people. And you're right, people want to talk about truth. I think one of the gifts that the transgender movement has given us is that truth is suddenly the number one talking point. Um, Is uh, biology a fixed reality or is biology and gender entirely in my own mind? Uh, By the way, that's another thing that the transgender movement has given us. It's given us the opportunity to talk about the human soul, because if I am a woman trapped in a man's body, what I'm really saying is that there's more to life than just the material, that I'm not flesh and blood, that there's, there's someone inside of this flesh shell. So I think there are great opportunities to talk about faith right now if we can see them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So how are you doing that in terms of chatting with people? What's in your mind when you're having conversations with people? You you know exactly where the culture's at. There is a little bit of confusion. I I, I think, you know, things that were black and white, it was more helpful when things were a bit black and white. Now it's all a bit grey. So how are you moving
1: forward in those? I, I think in every conversation you want to look for, what's the principle at stake? So you, you can get involved in a whole lot of discussions on on silly things, but I, I think in every issue you've got to find what what's the underlying principle here that um, that we want to talk about, and, and that gives you good ground then for for discussion. So um, you know you could name any any number of cultural issues at the moment. Uh, so uh, to go back to the transgender issue, you know you can talk about women's sport, you can talk about bathrooms, and and those are all valid discussions. But but the underlying thing is, well, what is reality? Does reality exist externally from me or do I define reality with my words? That's the real point. If if you can answer that question, then all the other questions become easy to answer. And so I think in every discussion, uh, we're really looking for what's the underlying principle here that needs to be defended. And uh, if you can start to talk about that, um, then Uh, you can help people unpack the rest of the issue fairly easily without the emotion attached.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's chat about this incident that we saw in the media. I know you raised it just before where we saw a Christian person removed from a high position in the sporting world and you rightfully said it. There's two sides to that coin so you could see it either way. What were the people around you in media saying? What were some of the discussions that were going on?
1: Most of the people that um, I've spoken to about this in media and in politics were just shocked by it and they think this whole thing has gone so far that it's now at the point of being ridiculous. I had discussions with journalists in left-leaning news organisations who actually were talking about whether they would lose their jobs for views that they had. Now, not Christian views, but but other views that might be unpopular or counter to the prevailing narrative. Because here's the thing, if you agree that Christians shouldn't be allowed to hold their views, you're a fool if you don't think at some point the tables will turn and someone somewhere will come after you for your views. This is why we've got to be careful when we cheer for our enemies to be deplatformed. Because what you allow for your enemies, uh, you are now saying is okay for you as well. Uh, So you've got to be very careful. This is why we should stand up for people, even if we disagree with them. If you believe in free speech, if you believe in um, freedom of association, if you believe in freedom of thought, then we should stand up for, even those we completely disagree with, but we should still stand up for their right to express themselves because if we cheer for our enemies to be deplatformed, then we're we're really creating an environment where at some point it's going to happen to us. We've got a dangerous situation in this country where the government has decided they need to protect people's feelings. And so in Tasmania and in Victoria, Uh, for sure in those states, it's now an offence to humiliate or offend somebody on the basis of a number of protected attributes, you know, sex, gender, race, religion. And um, and I'm not saying that it's nice to offend people, but I am saying the government should not be trying to protect our feelings because then they start to make laws based on feelings. And of course, feelings are entirely subjective. So, so this then makes a mockery of the law. You, you have laws that are based not on objective fact, but on subjective feeling. And that is a recipe for disaster. I mean, the only people that like this are lawyers because they're going to be busy forever uh, trying to, uh, you know, divine the intent of people's hearts when they said something. So that's the way society is going. And no one with a brain that I know thinks that any of this is a good idea. Certain people are weaponizing it because they get great joy out of seeing people they don't like, deplatformed and and, um, ostracized. But but that's a very short term view, uh, in my opinion, because at some point the wheel turns and what you allow for others will be used against you. So we need to be very careful with this.
0: Yeah, that's a great answer. What a minefield it is, but really great to have a good discussion around it. James, for people that are listening, everyday people like myself, here we are, we're trying to stumble through this world that's a complete minefield. It's not what it was 20 years ago. What would you say? Here's two things, Tina. If you want to continue to be about somehow sharing this amazing Jesus, this is what I'd be telling you to do right now.
1: I would say we've got to love people. And, and by love people, I mean be open to people, accept people. Acceptance and approval are two different things. Um, so we, we've got to become good at, like I said, charity for people. We, we accept people no matter what. That doesn't mean approval because we do have clarity when it comes to ideas. And so I think we just, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our uh, places of study, we just need to make sure that um, we genuinely love people, we treat people with dignity and with humanity, while at the same time not being shy about saying, well, I, I actually don't believe that, I believe this. And and that doesn't mean that I disqualify you as a friend or I uh, discount you as a human being. And the world has, has forgotten how to do this. Um, Christians know how to disagree without being disagreeable. The world has forgotten how to do that. And so I think that if we can learn to disagree with people, because we're not embarrassed of our views, we're not intimidated by this thing, well, if you say that you're a nasty person. No, I'm not. I I know I'm not a nasty person. You might not like my opinion, but uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to treat you as lesser than human. So I think if we are not intimidated by those things, We speak the truth, but as Paul says, we speak the truth in love. So we're not speaking the truth to win an argument. We're speaking the truth because we generally care about people. Tolerance doesn't care about people. Tolerance says, well, live and let live. If you want to do that and ruin your life, it's none of my business. No one ever sang a song, Amazing Tolerance, How Sweet the Sound because tolerance never saved a wretch like me. It's grace that's amazing. And what's grace? Grace loves you enough to tell you the truth, even if you reject me for hearing it, but because I care about you as a person. And I genuinely, I'm not trying to win an argument, but I genuinely want the best for you. And and the best for you is to know the truth of God's word, God's plan for your life. And if you reject it, I'm still your friend. I still love you. Um, I I think that's the demeanour that we need to have. And I think that to the degree that we can do that, we can influence a society that's very confused and very hurting at the moment.
0: Yes, amen fantastic challenge right there and so many things just to kind of think through and you know i just think we could have a discussion about these in our small groups or in our churches wherever you're listening from today could be really helpful so in the show notes today i'm going to drop the uh, connections to james at james and you can read the james mcpherson report and hear some more thoughts in this space and other spaces really wonderful and other places where you can connect with James. So this has been very helpful, James, and I've got lots to think about. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed the conversation.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Win-Win Evangelism podcast today. If this was helpful for you, please share it with others so they can learn also. If you, your small group or your church would like to upskill more in personal evangelism, learn how it can be easy, natural and not forced, why don't you check out our online free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. I trust that our podcast and our online personal evangelism course can be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.